Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. A number of weeks ago, I told everybody that, um, that my kids uh, were just getting excited to go back to school because it was like the beginning of the year. It's that fresh season start. And so my kids, they were cooped up a little bit at home and they were just ready to go back to school. I don't know if you remember it. What I told you on that night was that I was hoping that this passion and excitement for school would continue right through to their teenage years. All right, so it didn't even last three weeks. All right, it didn't last three weeks. In fact, you know, um, my, my kids, it, I, I, it was probably my fault. I learned what they meant when they said they were excited to go back to school is that they were excited to just go back and see their friends. And what they discovered when they went back to school is that it involves actual work. Um, and, and so some of that work you take home, we call it home work. So my kids get homework and uh, even a couple weeks into it, uh, they were excited about the beginning of this new journey, but hey, they got a few steps deep and said, no, we don't like the work that actually comes and is attached to that. So they have this plan and, and you know, I don't know, probably not many of you have kids that, that go to uh, primary school, but let me just explain to you how this works. They think that they're really smart. So what they do is they forget their homework and they leave it at school. So I say to my kids, I say, hey, it's time for homework. And they say, well, dad, I would love to, but, um, but I left all my work at school. So I guess I just jump on the Xbox, you know, to which I say, oh no, because we have everything you need right here. We got pens, we got paper, we've got books. Go get a book, son. And we're going to come back. We're going to read it right now. So we have everything that we already have everything that they need. And so then they kind of follow that up with, and they say, well, I can't, I, I, I can't, I, I can't read and I can't do this other stuff and I, I can't do it. Right. And I think that oftentimes when people say can't, it's actually a word that they are swapping for won't. Um, I don't want to do this. So they say can't instead. In fact, I've actually banned the word can't from my house because I believe that when everybody, when everybody says, I just can't do it, it's really just a learning curve that you're trying to get past. And so then I say, no, 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 you're, you can't say that in this house. You are, you are definitely going to be doing some work and reading. And then they pull this out and they say, what are you going to give me if I do it? And I'm like, like you want to be incentivized. Like they want me to promise them, they, like they get something for their homework, right? And I'm serious. I said this to my, to my kids. I said, kids, I said growth is its own reward. <laughs> they, they, they probably hated it. It sounded good to me. I said growth is its own reward, Right. And it's a good lesson for my kids to learn. But you know what I've learned is that teenagers can learn this lesson. Young adults can learn this lesson. Uh, parents in their 30s can learn this lesson. Middle-aged people can learn this lesson. The growth is its own reward because as you begin to grow and develop and accumulate experiences, it sets you up for something that we call your future. 
And a lot of your experiences are building and they're stacking up for something we call your future. So when I began this series, the first thing I spoke about was foundations. And then the next message I preached was all about freedom. And then I needed another F word. So I went with future. That's, that, was the, that was the best word that I could find. So, so tonight, here's what I want to do. I want to preach to you about the future. I want to preach to you really about your future. You know, so much of what you have gone through is actually building towards where God is leading you. It's building towards your future. And I know that sometimes it's hard to make sense of this, but God has a plan for your life. Now, he doesn't always tell you what's in that plan. He also doesn't ask you for permission, but there really is a plan there. A lot of the stuff that you've gone through, it's there for a reason. Just turn to the person next to you and say, it's there for a reason. All right. Look to the other side of you, the person you ignore, and say, hey, hey, come on, do it with a bit of attitude, all right? Say, hey, it's there for a reason. All right, I think you've got the hang of it, right? So much of what you've gone through is there for a reason. The junk that you've had to wade through is there for a reason. A reason. The success that you've also had in your life is there for a reason. And let me explain to you that God wants to know how you handle the junk and how you handle the success. Because a lot of times when things get tough, people go to God. But will you go to God when you're successful and when you're doing well? It's all building towards your future. Jesus spent 30 years of growth and development and discovering who he was, making sure that his identity was as a son of his father before he went into ministry, right? And so I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 4, and this is what happens before Jesus goes into ministry. He spent the first 30 years up until this point preparing for this moment. We're going to do a little bit of reading tonight. So if you have not, you know, if your Bible reading plan is a few weeks behind, well, you're just going to be so blessed tonight because I'm going to catch you up right now. It begins in verse 1. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Now, you guys probably learned this over the weekend, but for those of you that may not have been on camp, just a little FYI, the Holy Spirit is not God's impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has a will, a mind. He has intellect. He has emotions. He's not a projection of God's energy. The Holy Spirit is its own person. So we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three gods in, or, or one God in three different, separate and distinct parts. This is the Holy Spirit we speak of here. 
He says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, apparently, you can be filled with the Spirit. I bet you found that out this weekend if you went on camp. Full of the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan. Do you know where he had just been, by the way? Jesus has just been baptized. So if you're here tonight and you haven't been baptized, right? Jesus got baptized. So if Jesus got baptized, I feel like you need to get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, we've got a baptism service next Sunday night. We already have one person getting baptized. You can join them. So was that an invitation? I feel like it was. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Say led. Led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. Do you know why? Because he was fasting. In fact, Jesus, as he was led into this wilderness time for 40 days, he decided that he was going to have to be spiritually strong to handle the spiritual attack that was coming at him. And so to become spiritually strong, he said, physically, I'm not going to eat because there's something about not eating physically that makes you strong spiritually. That's why Jesus did it. If Jesus did it, I think maybe you could do it too. And when they were ended, he was hungry. If you're fasting and you got hungry, you did it right. Even Jesus got hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, you see what he's doing right there, don't you? He's trying to cast a shadow of doubt even in Jesus' mind about the origin of his birth. He says, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. Now, why do you think he did that? Yeah, he was hungry. You know why, you know why the devil wanted him to eat? He wanted him to break his fast. And you've got to think about that. Why would the devil be so interested in anyone breaking their fast? I'm telling you because when you fast, something spiritual begins to shift and happen. So he says, in other words, I know you're hungry. Let me attack you in your area of weakness. Would you please break your fast right now? And so Jesus answered him, it is written. Nothing super spiritual there. Nothing really dramatic. Just here's something I found in the Bible. Jesus knows the Bible. He says, it's written, the man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, I, to you, I give, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me. Do you know when I got delivered to the devil, that thing called authority that we're talking about tonight? It got delivered to the devil when Adam and Eve decided to ignore what God said. And in the Garden of Eden, they handed him some spiritual authority that up until this moment he had possessed. And he says, I can give it to whom I will. So here's the deal, Jesus. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. And Jesus answered him again for the second time. He said, it's is written. Again, nothing super spiritual, nothing too crazy. Here's something I just found in the Bible. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And he, being the devil, took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Now, here is where it gets interesting. 
The devil says, for it is written. So now when you read it, it's not Jesus anymore. This is the devil that says this. The devil starts quoting scripture because do you know what? He knows the Bible. And I don't know how old you are or when you began to learn to read, but you've had since then till now to memorize the entire book. And if you haven't noticed, it's pretty big. But the devil doesn't have that problem because he was there as it was being written. In fact, his memory is just fine. And he's had thousands of years to get to learn this so he can quote the scriptures too when he does. And he says to Jesus, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And he quotes two scriptures on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. What the devil is doing here is he's taking scriptures out of their context and twisting them in a way to manipulate Jesus so that Jesus will do what the devil wants him to do. And it kind of makes me think that when anybody says, I know that this was from God because I got a scripture about it. I think, well, I hope it's in context and I hope it came from the right source because the devil apparently is able to quote scripture too. So Jesus answered him and this is how we answered him. It is said. Now, the first two times he said it was written. But now he changes tact and he says, oh, now it's said. And I think what he's teaching the devil is, you know what? These words are not just empty phrases heaped up on a page. In other words, I have a relationship with my father in heaven. And when I read his word, it speaks to me. This thing is called the living word. It's alive and it speaks. And that's why he said it is said. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. That teaches me that there are seasons where you come under attack and there are opportunities that the devil looks for to get into your life. And I just want to read this very last verse, but only half of it from uh, verse 14. It says, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. Now, I don't know if you pictured Jesus returning in the power of the spirit, kind of like this, like he returned from the spirit and he's walked in off the desert. He was wearing a cape at the time. The moment the people saw him, doves literally flew out from behind him. You know, and if this is what you pictured, you saw it wrong because after 40 days of not eating, he would have been thin. He would have been fragile. He would have been physically weak. But isn't it interesting that when somebody gets physically weak, spiritually, they can return in the power of the spirit. Spirits. And so Jesus comes and he returns in the power of the Spirit. And the devil, that whole time, had a plan. And I'm going to give you this point up front so you don't miss it when I say it to you. Everything that the devil did to Jesus, he's going to try to do this to you. He attempted to do it with Jesus and it didn't work, but he absolutely tries to do this to you. And here's what he was hoping for. He was thinking if Jesus would just compromise his present, then at the same time, he'll sabotage his future. What he's hoping for 
is that you'll compromise your present so that you'll sabotage your future. And the future that Jesus was leading humanity into was to redeem them from the curse of sin. He was bringing salvation to planet earth. And the devil thought, man, if I could make him worship me, if I could get him to compromise his present, then he might sacrifice that as a future. You see, the devil has a plan. And this is where it starts to get really interesting. You ready for this? The Holy Spirit, knowing that Jesus was going to be led into a place where he would not only face testing, but also temptation. The temptation would only come from the devil. That would never come from God. God is happy to test you, never to tempt you. Even though the Holy Spirit knew that Jesus was going to be sent into the place where he would be tested, who led him there? The Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that led him to the place where he would be tested. I wanted you to take note of that, which is why I made everybody in here say the word led, because I wanted you to know that sometimes God is happy to lead you to a place where you will be tested. And I feel like sometimes when we go through a season of testing, we might second guess what we heard, because we might, it's funny that that the devil seemed to be giving him all the answers to get out of the hard stuff, but the Holy Spirit led him to the place where he would be tested. See, if you don't really know where you are and who led you there, you might try to get out before God does what he wants to do with you. I think it gets even more interesting that Jesus didn't begin his ministry until he'd had a season of testing. It wasn't until he went through the testing that he began his ministry. And you know why? Because I think that Jesus got something in the testing and the temptation that he didn't have before. You see, for all eternity, Jesus was able to rule over the devil as God. But when he came to planet Earth, Everything you see, he just wanted to, and we read about, he just wanted the devil to know that not only can I beat you as God, but I can beat you as a man. I'm ready to show you that you you name it, anytime, anywhere, I can beat you as God, but I can do it like a human being as well. And all he did is just know the word of God. That's why he kept saying, it's written, it's written. And if you know the word of God and you've got an opportunity to read it anytime you want, just like Jesus did, you can refute what the enemy said. He got something in the testing that he did not have before he went into it. Are you ready for this next point? You get growth in the gap. You get growth in the gap. This past week, a pastor from another church, he said, Ben, would you come and would you speak to my leadership group because we have lost our building and we are going through a season of being a nomadic church. And I know that you've gone through that. So could you come and could you teach us anything that you learned out of the process? So this week, you know, I sat down. I started going back over the story to think about 
everything that we had gone through as a church before we were able to have this building. And as I refreshed myself in the journey, I realized that I got so much out of that gap that I faced, stuff that I could never have had if we had have just gone from success to success. And I had something that I could give away, something that I could teach these guys. Why? Because I went through the season of testing. I had that. So now I had something extra to draw on to help someone else with. And I feel like for so many people, you know, honestly, the questions that are in your heart, you ready? This is what happens in people's hearts. You've had these questions. You said, yeah, well, why did my journey have to take me here? And why did my journey have to take me there? Why is it that I had to go through all of that hard stuff? And you know what it feels like to just hit the wall. You know, where you you come to a place where you just hit the wall and you cannot go any further. And as far as you can see to your right and the left, you go, I've done the best that I can and I'm still coming up short. I cannot go any further. I can't do this anymore. And you look at that wall and you realize something. I can't go over it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You're not going under it. You can't go around it, right? So I guess you're going to have to go through it, except you already tried that and it didn't work. That's why you're there. That's why you're stuck. But while you're in that place, Well, you're facing a gap. And a gap is simply, I want to get there, but I can't make the distance. I cannot do this on my own. If you treat that season right, you get something in that gap that we call growth. And you won't get that thing called growth with success after success. If your life just went from glory to glory, you wouldn't get that stretching that provided some growth for you. So you have more experiences. So where you learn to listen and lean into and draw on the presence of God while you were stuck, you wouldn't have that if it was all easy. I think that's why God leads some people into a season of testing. But hold on to your hats, right? Because if you have gone to a place where you've been tested and God led you into it, he's going to lead you out of it. If he led you into it, he's going to lead you out of it. And if you even think about Psalm 23, what does it say? Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh my gosh, what a horrible place to be. (laughs) Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your guidance and your direction, they comfort me. That's what a shepherd's staff is used for, correction and guidance. Even though things are really hard right now, it's your correction that gives me hope. It's your guidance that gives me hope. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Listen, when you are in the valley facing the gap, 
If you learn to lean on God, you could be sitting back having a sandwich in the presence of your enemies. Just give me a banquet because even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, surrounded by enemies, I'm still comforted by the fact that God, you're here with me. You're here with me. If he led you into it, he will lead you out of it. And in the valley, you get what you need to go where he is sending you. And it's all building towards something we call your future. It's stacking up to something we call your future. You know, I, I caught up with a pastor this week and another person had come to him and said to him, hey, you know, when things are really tough, why don't you just think about quitting and going and getting another job where you would be paid so much more? This is literally what a person said to this pastor. And he told, this pastor told me this and he said this to me. He said, guys like you and me, Ben, he said, once you know you sent, you don't get the luxury of choice. How good is that? You like that? Hands up if you like that. Once you know you're sent, you don't have the luxury of choice. Just a just little bit of participation here. Hands up if you think that's true, if you, if you agree with that. A lot of you don't agree with that. Okay, you, you, I'm going to pray for you, right? Here's what you need to know. You're sent. You are sent. And once you know that you've been sent, you don't have the luxury of choice. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected and came back to life, before he ascended to the Father, he went and met with his disciples and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, then what he said to them, he's saying to you, You're supposed to be sent by him to preach the good news to all creation. And I was just reminded this week of what a man can do when he places his life in the hands of an incredible God. You know, earlier this week, there was a man by the name of Billy Graham who passed away at age 99, eight months before he had his 100th birthday, And it is estimated that Billy Graham preached to 80 million people live, live in his lifetime. And that does not include all the tapes and the interviews and the television spots, right? And I know that even though he did all those things, please don't for a minute think that that was all Billy. Because what Billy needed is the same thing that you need, and you need the presence of God. Don't think that just because Billy did it that there weren't time for someone it was really hard. I think that's why Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1.8, he said, listen, before you think about stepping out, I know you're sent, but before you think about stepping out and doing some ministry, you need to wait for the presence of the Spirit of God, and he will, he will baptize you with fire. He said, you know what? You need the presence of God in order to carry out the the things that you've been sent to do. You need the presence of God in your life to do it. And you know, the disciples, if you begin to read what the disciples did in Acts 1.8, 
He says, wait for the Spirit of God. Later on, the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. They receive the Spirit of God. Then they go straight out and they preach to thousands of people who 50 days earlier were the same people that were shouting, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. But now the presence of God has come and he's begun to go before them and prepare everything ahead of time. And now Peter gets up and preaches and thousands of people give their hearts and lives to him, that give their lives to Jesus and repent and ask for forgiveness of sins from the same guy that they were saying, we should just crucify him. What is the difference? The difference is the spirit of God. And you need the Spirit of God to do what He is asking you to do. But don't think that just because the Spirit of God came and baptized them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, don't think that it was easy for the disciples because the disciples, they went through seasons of testing. They knew what it felt like to hit the wall. They know what it felt like to go only so far. And this is, I I think God loves it when people get tested because testing teaches you something. That in your own strength, you will only ever go so far. And when you hit the wall, it won't be by your might and it won't be by your power, but it'll be by His Spirit that you are able to overcome the tough stuff that you're facing. And I think that God is searching for people who have gone through a season of testing. So if you've had a season of testing in your life, some tough stuff that you have faced, you are probably the kind of candidate that is able to step into ministry. See, what God is actually looking for is people that learn in the gap to trust Him so that they can grow and develop a little bit more as they lean on Him while they're being tested. And if you're able to do that, you might get something that they call a test. Demony. They even put the word test in it so you wouldn't be confused about it. And I feel like so many people, they want the testimony without the test. It's one word. It comes hand in hand. And you think about it. All of the best stories you have The best stories you've ever heard were the ones when God showed up and the most impossible, improbable, unimaginable things began to happen because God began to move. That's the stories that mean the most. But you need to know that that testimony, it's not something you can fake. It's not something that you can manufacture. No, you need two things. If you want a testimony of God moving in your life, you need two things. The the first thing you need is authority. The second thing you need is power. So let me speak to you about authority for a minute. Some of you might know this. Others of you are going to discover this when you have children. The moment that you have kids, you get something called a mom and dad authority and you didn't have it before but you get it when you become a mom and a dad and it is most evidently seen in something we call the count to three 
And even though if you're here and you're a young adult and you're not married and you don't have kids, you've told yourself, I'm not going to be like my mom and dad. But you will. Because one day that kid is not doing what they're supposed to I mean, your little angel won't be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And you're like stuck and you don't know what to do. And then the authority comes and you say, I'm going to count to three. And when you say it, you don't even know what's happening on three. But your hope is that you never get there. And so you say, now I'm going to count to three. And you say one. And you say two. And if you're a little bit weaker, you'll say 2.5. And if you're really weak, you'll find a 2.9. But eventually you're hoping you don't get to three because you don't know what happens on three. But the kids are smart, right? And they're like, okay, all right. I didn't know we were that serious. And so they just kind of fall into line. I don't know why it works. The reason we do it is because it does work. Because what you need is authority. And you see it in moms and dads. They have this authority that they speak to their kids with. Now, here's the thing. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you need to know this. If you want spiritual authority, well, you need to know Jesus. Because authority doesn't come to you by knowing who He is. Oh, no, you need to know Him. You need to have a relationship with Him. Because authority comes by way of a relational connection with your Father that's in heaven. And if you have a relationship with God, it only comes through the Son. So if you want authority in the spirit realm, you actually need to have a relationship with God through the Son. If you want to move in the Spirit, you need to know the Son. You need to know the Son. I remember um, years ago, my, my dad, he, he worked at Cabri Schweppes for, uh, for 35 years. And I went to the boom gate one day. And I couldn't be bothered driving, parking my car, going through security and walking the 100 meters to his office on site. So when I pulled up, I just said, you know what? I'm just driving straight through today. And I pulled up and the security guard came around to the car and he looked at me and he leaned on the car and he said, like, it was almost like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm here to see my dad. And he kind of looked at his buddy that was over in the in the booth and he he made this noise it goes like this you, you know oh you're here to see your dad he goes and who's your dad and I said Bruce you know like like Madonna I just have to say it's Bruce right and I said Bruce and he goes oh Bruce Fagland and I said yeah that's my dad and he goes oh lift the gate go straight through I didn't get through that gate because of my name. I got through that gate because of my father's name. That's what you call having authority that works through your father. And when you have a relationship with God, your father, through the son, you get something called relational authority that you can wield in the spirit realm. But the next thing you need is power, okay? And here's how you get it. You ready for this? You ask for it. It's actually that easy. The Bible says, our Father in heaven knows how to give good gifts. He would give the Holy Spirit to anyone that would ask for it. You get that thing called power. And when people see it, you don't have to tell them 
that you orchestrated this or that it was manufactured. In fact, when the power of God is on display, everyone knows that it could only be God that did it. I love what John Wimber said. He said, we don't seek God's power, we seek his presence. His power and everything else we need is always found in his presence. If you want the power of God, you got to seek his presence. You get his presence when you come through the sun. Are you with me so far? Do you see how all of these things are interconnected? And this is what I think. I believe that the church suffers for a lack of the Holy Spirit moving in its church services. I feel like the church, not activate, but I mean, the church in general will suffer for a lack of having the Spirit move. And that's why... Just like Jesus did four times this year, we're going to pray and we're going to fast as a church. And I know how this goes. I mean, I'll call a fast for one week and someone's going to say, it's too long. Can we shorten it? They just want to lower the bar. Mind you, there are people from other faiths that aren't even worshiping the living God and they will fast for 40 days to pray to a God that's not even the true and living God. And they'll do that. But we got Christians going, can we just make it three days? Let's make it more accessible for people. And you know what? As a pastor, I care about your health and your hunger, but I care too much about the Spirit of God to lower it to a place where you would be comfortable, but still not see God move. So, I mean, what do you really want? Because when you're hungry enough, Oh man, oh, you'll fast in that moment. When you desire so much for God to move, I'll tell you five days, but you'll go for 10 because you're like, I want to see something that I've only ever read about. I want to see God move in a way that I've never seen him move before. I I think that so often as the church, you know what we need? We need to recognize when things are beyond us, when we've hit the wall and when they're beyond us, they belong to him. And when you know what belongs to him, that's the moment that you stop striving in your own strength, in your own power and your own might. And you say, God, I know right now that the only way that I will shift this problem is it won't be by my might and it won't be by my power, but it'll be by your spirit. And you begin to hand over those things to God. I'm I'm wondering tonight, what situation do you presently have that requires the authority of God and the power of the Spirit. What do you have, seriously, right now? That you know requires the authority of God and the power of the Spirit. Because I want to encourage you so much tonight and let you know that you already have everything you need. You have what you need. Did you know what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit? It says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. It says the same Spirit. Come on. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It lives in me. The same Spirit. When we read the Scriptures and you see Jesus facing temptation in the desert, the same Spirit that was right there at that moment that led him into that place. The same spirit, not a different one. It's the same one. The same spirit 
that was with Jesus in the Bible is the same spirit that lives in me. The same one, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He raised him from the dead. It's the same spirit that lives in you. And he gives the spirit without limits. So you don't have 10% of that. You got the whole thing. If you got a relationship with God and you ask for the spirit of God to begin to fill you up, the same spirit that released Paul and Silas from prison and came with an earthquake and began to shatter the chains that broke off of them. The same spirit that rescued Paul and Cyrus, uh, Silas is the same spirit that lives in you. It's the same one, the same spirit that came. And when Peter said, he goes, money, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I'll give to you. Now stand up. The same spirit that began to heal. The same spirit that began to convict. The same spirit that began to encourage. The same spirit. It's the same spirit that you got in you. And I just wanted you to know. I just wanted you to know. That there is not a need that you have that the spirit cannot answer. Maybe you've been asking yourself, why did I go through all of this stuff? But you've come through a season of testing and everything that you went through, if you grow and you learn to lean, that same spirit is going to take your life and transform it in the most amazing way. You will be so surprised what God will do with your brokenness when you hand it over to Him. But what you need to make sense of it is a faith that belongs through Jesus in the Father and the power of the Spirit that's at work in your life. I want you to stand to your feet. Trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.